0: Hi, my name is Justin Story, and I'm one of the student pastors here at Compass. I want to welcome you wherever you're joining us online. We're so glad you're here with us. And what you're going to realize about me real quick is I'm a Jesus guy. I believe in Jesus. I believe he was God before ever coming to earth, and that now we are made right with God through his death, burial, and resurrection. And I don't like the term religion or, or, or Christian because it just brings this mind into mind of like, try harder, do more, show up to church, and that's not what we ascribe to here. What we ascribe to here is a relationship, and what we hope every time we gather together is that you will grow deeper and deeper into your relationship with Jesus, and so we gather not because the Bible said so, but because Jesus said so, and if anyone can predict their own death, burial, and resurrection, and then actually pull it off, then maybe their way of life is is worth looking into. Maybe What they said was true, and we believe it is. So today we aren't gonna be looking at ancient principles or ancient teachings or ancient way of life, but instead we're gonna be looking to Jesus and asking him to show us more of himself. And every week, my prayer, our prayer for this time as we gather, wherever we're gathering, needs to be Jesus Show me more of you. And if you joined with us last week, we talked about a guy named Lazarus. And spoiler alert, he comes back from the dead. But today, what we're going to be looking at is kind of the prequel to that. So if you'll jump with me wherever you're at to Luke chapter 10, that's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, And that's kind of what I want to look at today is this idea of righteousness. It's this word that if you grew up in church like me, you've heard it a lot, but maybe we don't understand what it really means. And I want us to see today that the reason why we speak of him, the reason why we speak of Jesus, the reason why we can have hope in these times is because of this idea of righteousness. And so I hope you will join me today as we learn why we have hope. Now, I love this story. I love the dysfunction of this story, right? It kind of makes me feel a little more comfortable in what's going on right now with social distancing and all the weirdness that we're going through. We see this dysfunctional family, right? And Mary and Martha are in the same house. Matter of fact, from what we can tell, based on the evidence, they're either in the same room or adjacent rooms. So Mary is right there when Martha says to Jesus, hey, tell her to help me. Like how many of you have had that moment, whether growing up or or right now, where you have a sibling who's like, dad or mom, tell so-and-so to do this. And you're literally right there. That's kind of this moment. But where I want to spend some time today is on this one phrase, it will not be taken away from her. I want you to say it to someone near you, even if they're a stranger, even if you're out in public, and I know we're social distancing, but look to them and say, it will not be taken away from her. What I want to prove to y'all today is that if you will receive Jesus, and what he accomplished on the cross by dying and coming back to life, then you can be assured that your relationship with God is right forever and that it cannot be taken away from you. Today, we are not gathered to learn some principles or some concepts or to hear a motivational talk. That's not why I speak. We are not gathered here today just to read some stories because the Bible said so. Our faith is tethered always to the person and work of Jesus uh, I was 19 uh, when I got married, uh, and it hasn't been a dizzy movie where we always live happy ever after. Uh, we're coming up on 14 years together. And if you would have asked me at 19, by this point, right, we would be a perfect team. We would know exactly what the other person is going to do, what exactly the other person is going to say. We would no longer have any arguments, and we'd be good, right? Right? That's what I, if you would have asked me when I was 19, that's what I would have expected by this point in my life. I'm 30 now, right? I'm getting old. And so I would have thought, you know, we would already have all this figured out. But what I've learned is that when Carl and I argue, which we argue because we're normal people and we're not perfect, um, is that I'm the logical one and she's the emotional one. Wherever you're gathered, like how many of you know you're the emotional one, Right. Like, you're the one who always gets emotional, awareness. some of you are the one who's like, you, you think about it, you calculate everything you say, you've thought through, right? Um, in any relationship, be honest. How many of you are the one who's ultimately emotional? Now, I realized the other day that when we fight, I immediately go to this place. I don't know why I do this. I don't know what event in my life caused me to do this, but I immediately go to this place of like, Carla doesn't approve of me. I immediately jump to when she corrects me or, or wants me to be emotional, I go to this place of I've done something wrong. I, I, I've hurt her. She, is she going to leave me? Is she going to take the kids? Is she going to walk away from me? Like, am I not worth it anymore? Like I immediately jump to this place that I've done something wrong. And I get all out of sync. Like we're getting divorced. Maybe she wants to legally separate. Maybe this is why in high school, every time she would say like we would in between classes because um, we were high school sweethearts, she'd be like, I'm done. And I would sit in class and be like, we're over Justin and Carla, it's done. And like what she really meant, as I found out in counseling earlier this year, is that, you know, I'm done with this conversation. That's all she meant. But why is it that I immediately jumped to this place? Why is it that we jump to this place where we believe God is done with us? Or we go to this place that I've done something wrong when we get corrected by someone we love. When Carla says this, it, uh, it always triggers me And I ask her this, I go, I go, I say this to her, I go, anytime she immediately tries to correct me, I go to this place and I, I say, babe, what's wrong? Now I'm a smart man. I'm not dumb. Like I know what's actually wrong. I know what I've done wrong. I know where I've messed up. Like I, I'm, it's not that I don't know what's wrong, but I I ask her what's wrong. And she, she usually responds. And now, especially as long as we've been together, she goes, you know how I feel about when you say that. And, she said, and she'll say, if you ask me what's wrong one more time, I'm going to tell you what's wrong. Or I'm going to be angry. Because well, what I'm really asking deep down as I've really like taken some time to kind of think through this is, what I'm really asking is, are you okay with me? When I ask what's wrong, what I'm really asking Carla is, are you okay with me? And it's a little bit selfish because it's making it all about me and not about what she's actually trying to fix and trying to help me grow in in almost half my life now, I'm 30, I still struggle with are we okay? And I think that's what I wanna look at today is that we've been looking at these even if moments, right? Where our purpose isn't living in in the are we okay, but to step boldly into the peace that you'll find that when you're in an even if moment to trust, we wanna encourage all of you in these moments Where it can be like, well, if this happens, then I'm going to do this. And if this, if this, if this, if this. And it's all this what if game. We want to encourage you to trust him, even if. And our kind of key verse for this entire series has been based on the book of James, which is written by the brother of Jesus, which if there's any reason to believe that Jesus was God, it's because his brother believed he was. And he says this, My fellow believers, when it seems though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see this as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And as your endurance grows even stronger, it releases perfection into every part of your being so that there is nothing missing, nothing lacking. And that's our hope, is that as we would grow through these moments, that there would be nothing missing, nothing lacking, but yet we still struggle with this idea. Are we okay? And I want us to find peace that even if, no matter what happens, even if I don't feel okay, I'm okay. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I love words of affirmation. Like, my, my number one love language is words of affirmation. Like, when people say, good job, thank you, I appreciate you, like, that, like, speaks love to me, right? Like, when Carla sends me a text and she's like, babe, you're everything to me. I love you. Thank you so much for taking care of our family. I'm like, yes, give me a microphone. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to change the world. But the second Carla, like, corrects me or says, hey, babe, you're—, you're you're kind of being a jerk lately, or, 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 or you're, you know, you, the way you said that wasn't right, I'm immediately like, someone else take the mic. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't get up here. I can't do this. I can't go on. And here's what I've found is that if I'm good, I'm good, right? Like, we're seeing this right now. Like, if we're, if we're good, then we're good. But if I'm bad, then I'm a mess. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life this way in my relationship with God. Because I think often our relationship is like this, right? How many of y'all have done this, right? You have this moment where you have a flower when you're a kid and you go, she loves me, she loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not, right? We do that. And I think we do that with God is that we go through moments and we're like, he loves me, he loves me not. And we we navigate our relationships as if this were true. And especially in our relationship with God. Now, I just did a, a wedding this past week and I love weddings and I've done a lot of weddings. Uh, but a wedding really, right, is two people standing there saying, I love you as long as you love me. I do love you if you hold up your side of things. Do you promise? Do you promise? Do you promise? Do you promise Give them a ring, give them a ring. Do you promise? Do you promise? Like that's really what a wedding is. And I think the number one reason why we aren't okay, the number one reason why we aren't okay is because we believe it's conditional. We believe it's conditional. I think there's a lot of us in the room today who have convinced ourselves that we're not okay with God. And it's worse for those of us who have been following Jesus. We have convinced ourselves that just like our earthly relationships, it must be the same with Jesus. Because anybody can come to church, right? We we believe that. Like wherever you're gathering with us, know that you don't have to believe to belong here. We hope that and we believe that. And so... Anyone could come to church, but once you start going to church, there's some things in your life you need to stop doing. You need to go to this class, or you need to take part in in a small group or a life group, and you need to stop doing those things. We feel this, right? I'm not doing right, so I must not be right. But when I'm doing right, I feel right, so it must be right. And that's the problem, is because of this, Christianity has just become a movement of what we're supposed to do Hear me, both are problems. I want to kind of camp on this thought for a moment. Both are problems. I'm not doing right. And what happens when we're not doing right, we feel guilt, we feel shame. And that's not right because God has said, like, because of the work of Jesus, we no longer need to feel that guilt or that shame because he's taken away our, our penalty. So that's not right. But hear this, because this is what we, did, we weren't taught. This is what we didn't understand, that when I'm doing right, what do I feel? I feel pride. Oh, I didn't commit that sin today. I didn't do this. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm doing right. And what that leads to is pride. And both are not accurate. Because our faith is not about performance. And this is what I, I struggle with. I don't know if you're with me on this, but I struggle with this. Because our faith is not about our performance, but about Jesus' alone. And that's why we speak of him. The good news of the gospel is not that you are saved and made right with God to do right. <laughs> that's, that's not good, it's normal. That's not good news, it's normal news. That's what all humans believe. It's simply what we call karma, right? If you do good things, you will get good things. If you are nice to people, you will get nice in return, right? That's, not, that's, not no, that's nothing new to the human experience. So that's not good news. Now we gotta own some of this, because word on the street about, about Christians Christians are not, people aren't going like, Christians, ah, they're amazing listeners. Uh, Christians, they're just so inviting. They're including, they're welcoming. They just have the biggest hearts. They're going for the people that no one accepts. And that's a problem. And I think we have the ability, especially in times like this, to change that narrative. Right, I love 2 Corinthians 5, 21, where it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's that word, righteousness. So I wanna ask you a question, and I want you to look to the people in the room and ask this Who does the work in this verse? Who, who's performing in this verse? It's not us. Why are we declared righteous? Because of all the good things we've done? No. Who does the work in this verse? It's God. Now, hear me, our fight for those of us who accept to follow after Jesus to accept his free gift of grace, to accept what he's done on the cross, to accept that what he did is true and that his way of life is worth living, our fight will always be to accept this gift. Your fight will be with your brain and your body because your brain is gonna keep telling you this is conditional, this is conditional, that you have to to do right to be right. And here's the thing I want us to understand, the ability to do right is not within our willpower. The power to do right is when we let go and say, I can't. And this leads me to our second reason we aren't okay. Why oftentimes we're not okay. Why we're not functional and the dysfunctional. It's because we believe to receive, I must achieve. The second reason we aren't okay is we believe to receive, I must achieve. But yet here's what Romans 5 says. And it's written by Paul who understands that he had tried to achieve his on his own his whole life. And then he has this experience with Jesus and it completely shakes everything about him. And he says, For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive, there's that word, receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of, there's that word again, righteousness, reign in life through the one man, Jesus. How do we reign in life? According to the scriptures, it says by receiving, not by achieving, we will reign in life. And I believe that word reign there means total authority, that we will reign over fear, we will reign over anxiety, we will reign over our not okay moments. Because here's the thing, here's something I've noticed, is that when we talk about sin, it's aggressive, right? Like all of us are, like how many of you have been tempted this week? How many of you since you've been home have been tempted more, right? We know that sin doesn't sleep that temptation doesn't sleep that it's aggressive but yet when it comes to forgiveness we're just kind of like ah like we're forgiven yeah i know i'm forgiven yeah i mean you know i mean i'm kind of forgiven as long as i you know make sure that after i i cussed that or i thought that thought that i immediately pray and say god forgive me like i'm forgiven then we're good but we make forgiveness not nearly as aggressive but the forgiveness of jesus is aggressive did you know this I mean, when we see sin uh, early on in the book of Genesis, it says that sin is crouching at the door and wishes to dominate us. But yet here we see that now we can reign. So I want us to ask ourselves the question, how are we living as if the cross now reigns in your life? Because we need, especially in times like this, we need Jesus to dominate our thoughts, our emotions and our life. Because hear me, Jesus was not murdered. Jesus was not murdered. He gave up his life. Even though he went to the cross, a Roman cross, he was not murdered. Matter of fact, it says, he said it was finished and he gave up his spirit. Finished though means it cannot be added to. It's not, it is finished, dot, dot, dot. Now do, do, do more. Try harder, be better. Finished means it cannot be added to. But the problem is, is we hear this voice saying, of sin trying to tell us, hey, 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 I know you're forgiven now, but no, 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 no. Don't, don't forget. I still got you. I still know things about you that no one else knows. I still know what you did that one summer at camp. I know. And I'm going to get you. I know you're a bad person. Why does this work? Why does the temptation and the guilt get us? It's not because it's not true. Our inner dialogue isn't wrong. But hear me. Hear me on this, lean into this moment. It's not the greater truth. I'm gonna say that again. It's not the greater truth. The problem is we've put a dot, dot, dot after it's finished. That as long as you keep your side of the bargain, as long as you keep earning it and doing right, then you are made right with God. And what if I told you that conviction is not the same thing as condemnation? I think we've made them the same because we act like they're the same. But condemnation says, this is who you are. When you sin, this is who you are. When you make mistakes or think this way or act this way or talk this way, this is who you are. You're worthless, you're not enough. But conviction, going back to my earlier story with Carla and an argument that we had, where she was just trying to help me be a better person. Conviction is Carla out of love saying, this is not who you are, Justin. So when we feel condemnation, understand that's not from God. But when we feel conviction, as the scriptures say through the Holy Spirit, that's from God because that's God speaking to us. Hey, I love you. This is not who you are. And there's a difference. The key to being okay is remembering who you are because everything else is a lie. This is our biggest problem. This is our biggest problem. This is my biggest problem is that often I am what I do. I am what I do. This is how we think, Right? We've been taught that everything is cause and effect, that if we do this, we get this. If I, if I, if I work hard, I, I get this, right? So thus I am what I do. What would our church look like though? What would our community look like if we told ourselves that you're righteous? The next time you're doing that habit that you don't wanna do anymore, the, the second you're in sin, the second you're in temptation, you'll be like, you are righteous, you are righteous. What would it look like? Because life is in grace, Life is in trust. Life is not in, does God love me? No, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Up, oh, good day, bad day. I didn't look at that thing on the internet. I did look at that thing on the internet. I, 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 I said mean things. I was mean to someone on the internet. Uh, good week, bad week. Good night, bad night. Life, true life is not in love me or love me not. True life is in the performance of Jesus. So I want to go back to this story as we close. Back to Martha, right? Can you imagine Martha in this moment, right? She's like, I'm doing all the work. Mary's just sitting at your feet. She's probably going, this isn't fair. And maybe that's how a lot of us feel right now. With everything going on in the world, like this isn't fair. I don't know if anyone else feels that way right now. So what do you do when you get mad? When life isn't fair, we immediately blame God, right? Usually it's, it's God's fault. Martha is doing what she believes is right. And Jesus says, no, you're all worked up of, over stuff that you shouldn't be worked up about. Isn't that us right now? I mean, come on. We're all worked up about toilet paper. But let's imagine Mary's emotion as Mar- Martha walks in from the kitchen, right? Mary probably, you know, we know she was with Martha. And then she probably just, you know, started, I, w- I just want to sit with Jesus. I want to hear from Jesus. And then Martha walks in and she's like, oh, no. I'm in trouble. I mean, I should be helping her in the kitchen. I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not doing it. And, and, and I, I should be doing right to be right. I mean, I mean Martha's got a point. I should be helping her out. Martha often sounds a lot like church. Like a lot of speakers I've had growing up. It sounds like a lot of my inner dialogue where it says, hey, 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 do better, try harder. But I love that maybe this is what Martha or Mary was thinking, she was thinking, I'm just listening to how much Jesus loves me. I mean, I could be doing those things and those aren't bad things. Doing good things isn't wrong, but is it what's most important? Is, this what's, is it what actually matters? I'm just listening to how much Jesus loves me. I mean, how do I know if I love God, right? We do three things here. We, right, we love God, love people and share Jesus. But how do I know if I love God, right? By loving God other people. Jesus says, "I give you one new command: Love others as I have loved you. The way they will know you are my followers by how you love one another. But here's the thing. I cannot do that until I accept his love the way he has given it. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. We cannot do that until we accept his love the way he has given it. Because the way we have accepted and received God's love as if, as if it's conditional, that you need to to be right, you need to do right. But we cannot love people, especially people who don't vote the way we want them to vote, who don't look the way we want them to look, who don't act the way we want them to act. We cannot love them unconditionally until we know that God loves us unconditionally. Here's the problem. We've forgotten to let him love us. Once you have righteousness, you get to focus on doing right things. But you don't have to be a Christian to do right things. I mean, holding doors open, giving someone your last piece of, you know, roll of toilet paper, giving someone your hand sanitizer that you waited four hours in line for, being nice on social media is not an act of worship. It's called being human. What sets us apart is loving others the way he has loved us. It's about Jesus. It's about receiving a right relationship with God through Jesus and going where he goes. It's why we follow him. Here's what I love. I want you to say this to the person next to you. Say, this will not be taken from you. This will not be taken from you. Simply put, our emotions, when we don't feel like we're okay, when we don't feel like we're right, when we when we start being like, all right, I need to do harder. I, I need to do better, try harder. I need to read my Bible more, pray more. When we start having some of those feelings, it might be because our emotions are lying to us. So tell someone, look to the person next to you. Say, I'm right with God. This is what we build our church, our group, our family, our community on, is that we strive to become more and more like Jesus, not for a right relationship. We strive to become more and more like him from a right relationship. I love what Jesus says, and I think it speaks to us right here in this moment. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Because here's the thing, church, we cannot just function in the certainty. Where is the peace? When do I get there? When do I, when am I functional in my dysfunctional? When am I, when can I be more than okay? Hear me, you're supposed to bring it with you. Panic is contagious as we've seen, but so is peace. We can be functional in the dysfunctional because too often our circumstances determine our faith instead of our faith determining our circumstances. So here, I wanna end with a story. It's a parable. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but if you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, you'll be hearing this story for the first time. It's, the, it's a parable I heard about a Chinese man and his son. That one day, you know, the, the, uh, they have a horse and the horse runs away. And all the people in the village come to the man and they say, oh man, dude, that's bad luck. Man, God must not be with you. You must have done something wrong. You might have, you know, spent a little too much time on the internet last night. Something, something happened. You're not blessed. But the next day the horse comes back and it brings with it a whole herd of wild horses and everyone comes to him and says, dude, look at you, you are blessed, highly favored. God is clearly with you. And then he says to the people, how do you know? The next day the son gets on one of the wild horses and breaks his leg and everyone's like, oh, I see, dude, you're, you're, you're cursed. You must not be okay with God. You must not be right. And he goes, how do you know? And then the next day a Chinese warlord comes and and he's trying to draft young men for his army and because the son has his leg broken, he doesn't have to go off to war and this is his only son, his only way to continue his lineage and people come to him like, oh dude, look at you, you are blessed, highly favored, God is with you, you must be okay. And he says, how do you know? And here's what I wanna leave us with, is how do we know? Because when we follow Jesus, there are no more good days or bad days. And I want all of us to no longer label our days. Instead, we are to surrender our days. That's how we find peace. That's how we move from okay to even if I'm not okay, I will trust Jesus. Will you guys pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for our students who are gathering with us. I pray, Lord, that they would move from this place of like, well, if this happens, then I'll be okay to even if, even if everything crazy happens, that I'm gonna be okay that this will not be taken away from us, that we are now made right with you, and that's everything we'll ever need, and that we can have peace because of our relationship with you. That we can be functional in the dysfunctional because of our relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that after today, that we would be setting some people free from struggling with this, as I've struggled with. Is like, are we okay, God? Are we okay? And we can honestly say, I'm more than okay. So God, I just pray you'd be with our students wherever they're at, that if they wanna make a decision for for Christ, that they would leave a comment or talk to someone where where they're gathered or that they'd reach out uh, by email to one of us or through our Instagram page uh, at the bridge uh, in Arizona, that they would reach out to us. God, I just pray, uh, and I pray Lord, that we'd all take a step this week to be more okay in times when it doesn't feel like everything's gonna be okay because of our hope in you And I pray that we'd be the hope in our communities. It's in your name we pray, amen. We love you guys. Don't forget to love God, love people, share Jesus. We'll see you next week online.